tonight on Whiskey Waffle. It's a bourbon that's been to an Ivy League university. Glenn Farkless party at your place. Oh yeah, baby. Bourbon within a bourbon. But it's not well, a bourbon. It's not a bourbon. It's, it's not, not a bourbon. It's not we a bourbon. Call this bourbon. I can't call this bourbon. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Hello and welcome. Did my waveforms got really massive that yes, time? Yes, you have massive waveforms. Yeah, yeah. They're oh, very round and curvy. That's what, um, that's what all the ladies say. Uh, welcome along to Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Ted. And um, yeah, we're ready for another 30 to 40 minutes of random rambling about whiskey. I know. We always say that we're going to try to keep these things snappy and then we sort of get to an end of a recording session and go, oh my God, how much have we recorded? Yeah, I know. The most snappy whiskey tasting we've ever been to was the one that you broke your leg at. Uh, yeah. Harsh. This is almost genuine laugh there, but no, it's all good. It's all good. But um, I don't know. Well, we... well speaking speaking of getting a um a bit squiffy, mm. I have an anecdote. Uh oh, <laughs> a whiskey anecdote. I, I have a whiskey anecdote. To be fair, they are the best anecdotes. Yes. Mm. So the other week, I was at a dinner party, and um, a friend and I sort of after the after the meal had a six course round of uh whiskey oh yes yeah, no, yeah. a whiskey digger station yes it was it was quite pleasant actually. they were served in small quantities but by the time we got to the last one which was a glen farkless finished with uh, a glen farkless yes i was regaling my, my friend um with how uh nick's wine merchants have an excellent deal which has been going on forever but we're forever grateful for it hmm. where you can get a bottle of glen farkless 105 which is their cast strength yep for not just any bottle, a liter bottle. Yes, and that we must say that it's a liter bottle mm. for one hundred five dollars Australian. Australian, yep. yes, which is which is really good in Australia. Phenomenal. You can buy a from the same site. You can buy a seven hundred uh, mil bottle for about one hundred and sixty something. <laughs> so it's one of the best whiskey anomalies out there. Anyway, Nick's, my friend Nick's never changed. Never yeah. changed. Nick's no, keep that up. Yeah. But anyway, my friend got really excited and decided he wanted one. So we went online to buy one. Yep. And while I was there and I was in fairly sort of good mood, I noticed a few other bottles of Glenfarclas, ones that seemed to be a set and Ooh. they were a, quite a good price. Like there are sub 100 Australian. Well, that's all right. Yeah, and I got a bit enthusiastic and just in my slightly lowered uh sense of um spending on things um, for no reason. I snapped them up. Um, <laughs> you snapped them all up. I snapped up. There was three of them. I'll have one of every animal. Yeah, well, that was basically Viv. Now, when they arrived, I was looking at them. Um, and <laughs> uh, well, they were pretty to look at, to they, be they, fair. They've got quite one nice One of them tins. had some people on the... F- they've got nice what? They've got nice tins. Oh, nice tins. No, yes. I didn't say the other, the other thing. <laughs> yes. Um, so... One of them's got some people on the front. One of them's got a nice creek. Yeah, yeah. So they're... they're, they're I think they call it a creek There are three editions of Glenfarclas. One is called Springs. That's the creek. Yep. Yep. One is called Passion. Passion. That's the one with an one, old guy on the front. Yep. And one is called Team, which right, is yeah. <laughs> some, uh, some blokes on the front. They're nice metal tins <laughs> with nice pictures on the front. Coincidentally, also the, the same set of uh, a baseball team from um, North yeah. Carolina. But continue. When I flipped the uh, tin over... Everything was in German on the back. Right. So released for the German market. Yes, released for the I, German market. I don't know how you've managed to get your hands on it, Ted. Maybe well, the, no. the German market had a few left over. I know. Flogged they, off to Australia. They, they were released about 2014, so they've obviously oh. been sitting around for a while. Yeah, sitting around. In anyway, after a bit more looking and Germany. getting like Google Translate onto it, yep. I started getting sneaking suspicion mm. 
that they might have all been the same whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically what you've done, Ted, what you've done is you've bought yourself a set of collectible tins. <laughs> yes. That may very well be what's happened because they all basically said that it's it's a sherry-aged, sort of non-aged statement, Glenn Farkless, from all the information I've looked up. As, as opposed to all the non-sherry-aged Glenn Farkless. Well, I mean, there, I was... Yeah. Uh, Yes, there's that, but I was thinking that when I bought them that there'll be sort of three different editions mm, yeah, with yeah. each like a little twist on the like maybe it's different finishing. Yeah, you were or- assuming it'd be made for whiskey fans. Yes, instead <laughs> it's made for Germans. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who yeah. love collectible tins. Yes. On the plus side, Ted, you do now have 2.1 litres of probably very drinkable Glen Farkless. Well, see, this is the thing. I'm totally not disappointed by mm. this situation <laughs> because, as you say, at the end of the day, I've got three sort of sub $100 bottles of um, Glen Farkless <laughs> that I have really, apart from, like, I can keep the tins anyway because they're mm. pretty, but I have really no compunctions about sort of keeping um, them and, like, hoarding them and to sell later. I mm. think that we're just nah. going to have to man up and try them all. And I think like, so. See if we can actually find any difference in them. You know what I think, Ted? What? Glenn Farkless party at your place. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, loyal listeners, get there soon. Get there soon. Yeah. All right, right. So that, that's my that's my cautionary tale. <laughs> always, always look before you leap. Yeah, yeah. Never drink and buy online at Nick's Wine Merchants. Yes. <laughs> After a six-course uh, whiskey degustation. Indeed. Anyway, on with the episode. On with the show. This would really be the moment for me to think of something off the cuff, but... I've had too much whiskey. It's not. It's just not flowing. The Waffle. So on The Waffle today, we're talking, I guess, about a very important ingredient in Scottish whiskey, or indeed any whiskey around the world. I was going to say haggis when you said Scottish whiskey, yeah, but yeah. Now, now I'm not sure I'm barking up the right tree. Well, now I'm actually rethinking ingredient, because as we know, there are only three ingredients in whiskey, and they are? Water. Indeed. Uh, a grain. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, kittens. No, 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 no. Yeast. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, we made this mistake before. Yes. Um. Yeah, so there are three ingredients. So it's not so much an ingredient, but an important influence on the flavor. We're talking about... An influence is a good term, actually. Mm, we're talking about a cask, a barrel, but not just any barrel. Because as we know, most Scottish and whiskies from Tasmania, from most countries, have previously housed something else in it beforehand. Yes, Indeed. And what is the world's most common uh, housing for whiskey? Kitten. No, sorry. Uh, uh, Ex-bourbon barrels. American Ex-bourbon oak. bourbon barrels, yes. Quercus alba. America. Now, there's a lot of those around, I believe. What, Americans? Yes, there's a lot of those as well. You can <laughs> yeah. hear them from miles away. But Indeed. there's a lot of American oak whiskey barrels that have had bourbon in them. Yeah, there's stacks lying around. I mean, why don't the Americans just use them again and again and again? Well, that's because by law, Americans, to make bourbon, Mm. you have to use virgin oak, American white oak barrels. Yeah, which means that the American whiskey whiskey industry's loss is the rest of the greater whiskey industry's gain because there are all these freshly seasoned barrels. Yeah, so just to break that down, like what we mean by that is by law, they have to use a brand new barrel, one mm-hmm. that they've sort of built from fresh oak that hasn't had any other spirit in it. Keeps the coopers in a job. Keeps the coopers in a job. They make a lot of barrels. And so, yeah, as my colleague just uh, explained, once they're done with them, 
Mm. They, well, they're ready for ready for Scotland. Yeah, they send they send them away because it's otherwise it'd be a wasted product. Well, exactly, and yeah, it it's quickly become in the last fifty or so years the most common cask type in the world by some margin. Yes, a lot of the whiskey you'll drink um, will be have been in a bourbon barrel at some stage, even if it is one that has had some sort of sherry or port or something. Mm. Quite often what they'll do is they'll use a bourbon barrel first and then finish in a sherry or a port. Or conversely, marry or blend a lot of mostly bourbon matured whiskey mm. with just a teensy little bit of sherry matured mm. whiskey because, well, it really comes down to the dollars or pounds sterling, I suppose, or... Yes, a bourbon cask, because, because there's a glut of bourbon casks. They're so, so much cheaper. Please, hipsters, start drinking more sherry. Oh. Um, and then we can potentially, yeah, get like cheaper sherry barrels. But mm. a uh, what do we think? In Australia, a, sh- a bourbon barrel is about 500 bucks Australian pop, I think. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Don't, I, I wouldn't like to say that with absolute certainty. I can't say that with absolute certainty, but that feels about the right price. Whereas a, a sherry barrel, a real sherry barrel these mm. days is a couple of thousand at least. Yeah, a proper one. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the difference in costs are astronomical. Even in Scotland, you'll pay a thousand pounds for a decent Pedro Jimenez mm. barrel. So what what exactly is the advantage of using a bourbon barrel? So it's, it's not just the price. It's not just the price, whereas that is a big consideration, but it often will paint a, a blank canvas that will let the flavour of the spirit, the amount of time spent, the the, dare I say, terroir of the, um, of mm. the environment around it really take its toll because it's not going to impart massive fruit flavours onto it. It's going to let the whiskey speak for itself to some extent, and it's also going to make it taste like caramel and vanilla and all those classic. Yeah, sort of and that and that's it. Like a, a bourbon flavors. barrel will ha- will generally be a lighter, sweeter mm-hmm. whiskey that has characteristics commonly um, said as vanilla, mm-hmm. caramel. Yep. Maybe a bit of like citrus in there. Yeah, probably more on the lemon, so mm. more so than the orange. Yeah, and so yeah, you'll get a lighter whiskey now if you're if you've got a whiskey that hasn't had any colouring added to it, mm-hmm. looking at you, Diageo, <laughs> um, a, you can usually tell a bourbon-aged whiskey because it will be a, kind of a light straw colour. Yeah, it'll be much paler. Yeah. Um, genuine, dark, red, deep, sort of ruby, blood red Comes whiskeys. from E-130 yeah, yeah. colouring or but whatever But the slightly is. lighter version of that, um, no, <laughs> I don't know, actually. Um, but, yeah, no, the sherry barrels, um, ex-red wine barrels will impart genuine fla- uh, colours on it. Well, mm. they'll impart genuine flavours too, but they'll impart genuine colours, whereas the bourbon ones will be this nice little straw, gentle colour. And as much as you and I, Ted, as whiskey drinkers, like, that looks really quite nice on the shelf, the average whiskey consumer is less inclined to buy a lighter colour whiskey. Mm, it's funny, isn't it? Mm. So how did Glenfiddich get around this with their 12-year-old? How? Green glass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Glenfiddich 12 is a bourbon matured, but Glenfiddich 15 is a Solera cask of lots of sherry. Mm. And and that sort of lightness in flavour is why they like using them as sort of uh, for the main ageing of the the whiskey and then to finish them in something because it will part, impart, yeah, not too much of a flavour in there and then you can just get a burst of flavour on the mm. end like by chucking in a sherry cask. Or- That's it. So the finishing is real a really good option and therefore you can use your really expensive sherry casks probably more than one time, like a few times in a row to do some finishing. Yeah. But Ted, you know what bourbon casks are really good for? 
Well, once they're finished, they're good to put out in the deck and use as a uh, table. Yeah, true. Cut them in half. They're good plant pots. Yep. <laughs> but they're also really good on Isla. Mm. Peated whiskey. Absolutely. Mm. So you can take a light, sort of quite a light whiskey and then add all that good dirty peat on top. Oh, yeah. And the um, the bourbon is not going to detract from that peat. Like it's just mm. going to emphasize that peat, which is why like some of our favorite... um. Isla Whiskies, Lagavulin 16, Ardbeg Ugadal. Like, these ones do have sherry influences in there. But they're not necessarily the most heavily peated that we've tried. Mm. Looking at you, Lefroig. Yep. You know how to do a bourbon cask peat monster. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And another interesting thing that we were talking about recently is that um, the equipment that you use can also influence, um, to some extent, what sort of barrels you use. Mm. So... uh, Glenmorangie yeah. is very big case in point here. So Glenmorangie has these ridiculously tall stills. Tallest stills in Scotland. Yeah, which create a really light spirit. I've read recently, I think Dr. Bill Lumsden was talking about how the spirit from Glenmorangie just cannot take sherry uh, or Not pork sherry, casks. pork casks. Pork casks, yeah. because it's just too heavy for the spirit. Um, whereas bourbon casking is perfect because it's a lighter, more delicate flavour. Yeah, and these big, tall well stills have all this reflux, spirit. makes a delicate spirit, and therefore the bourbon barrels, yeah, they work. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, you stick it in a port cask and it gets lost. So bourbon barrels really have their place. Would you describe it as your favourite barreling type? No. But, gee, without them, we'd be a lot poorer than yeah. me. It's, it's almost like the, the workhorse... Yeah, I think there's some phenomenal um, bourbon cast. Uh, Especially if you leave it for a few extra years. Yeah, whiskeys out there. I They're not all my favourite, but they do have their place. Mm. Yeah, and um, really, like, think of it as the default. I mean, yeah. it's not, but... It is. I think they. I think bourbon cask whiskies, especially sort of Speyside um, bourbon cask whiskies, lend mm-hmm. themselves well to summer. Yeah, they're sort of these light, sort of dusty, breezy uh, whiskies. Yeah, so I, that I means like an Anok Twelve or yeah, something. Yeah, like so that, that means in Scotland you've got about four days to drink them. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, when well, no, I've been to Scotland, it's been beautiful for a whole mm. fortnight. But um, yeah, we're coming into an Australian summer now, so I think that a few bourbon cask whiskies might be coming out over the next few months. Eh, yeah. Ted? Yep, sounds mm. good. Yeah, well, maybe um, maybe we can share a little bit more of a bourbon cask information in our whiskey review coming up, Ted. How about that? Absolutely. Let's do it. What country is it from? Moldova. <laughs> Close. The whiskey. Nick, I have a rather controversial statement to make. Uh Uh-oh. Are you going to offend people with this statement, Ted? I am going to offend (laughs) people with this statement. Are you going to offend our main fan base? Well, I don't know how many of them are actually out there listening to us, so we'll find out. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll find out. By the amount of angry comments (laughs) that we get. Actually, speaking of comments, feel free to leave us comments on each of our... Each of our podcast episodes, especially talking about some of our Whiskey Would You Rathers, Smash Session Savers, it's more fun if people playing along at home. And I found that um, maybe our Instagram is a really good place to leave comments on our yeah. Instagram post for each episode. Um, get on the comments and, um, you know, just give us some angry comments about whatever Ted's about to say. Yeah, well, it gives us something good to talk about in the next uh, episode as well if you oh, leave us comments. that's it. So. Comments, they'll be brought up. Right, and... anyway, we, we digress. Yes, we digress. Nick. Yes. Would you agree with me? No. Well, I think you. I think you might. And I probably so will, I'm, yes. I'm trying to. I'm trying to share the load of people's anger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Directed at both. W- of us. Would you agree with me? The statement. 
that all bourbon tastes like bourbon. bourbon yes, yeah. <laughs> um, quite true. This is why this is why we don't have many listeners in America. Actually, Look, so. so I would like to qualify that statement. Okay, go for it. So. It might sound a bit glib and crass at first that all bourbon tastes like bourbon, mm. but there is a reason for that. Yeah. Now, the reason for that it's is... the rules. It's it's part of, yeah, the rules of what makes bourbon bourbon. To make bourbon, you have to use virgin uh, American oak casks. Yep. You have to use a minimum of, what is it, 60% or Minimum 50, 50%, 50% corn, usually it's more like 60, 70. Yeah. So you have to have a minimum of 50% corn, and that's really important because corn has a particular flavour. It parts these big, fat, sweet sort of fruity well, bourbon flavors bourbony flavors yeah. and so because because all bourbons carry that sort of same base dna mm. it means that well they're rather samey aren't they that, well i wouldn't say that they're samey that's a, that's a bit sort of well, it's not a real word for a start that that's a bit mean <laughs> i would say they have a commonality amongst them mm. that means that you'll get a repetition of that same flavor then it comes down to what each distillery sort of draws out of um, its own particular sort of barreling and bottling themselves that you get that variation. And that's sort of where our, our American friends are mm. much more sort of au fait with well, the yeah. intricacies. And, you know, they're probably a bit more experienced too. They can spot the subtle differences from mm. bourbon to bourbon to bourbon. See, I, I, I know a shit bourbon from... A really good bourbon. So the best bourbon I've ever had was a Pappy Van Winkle 20-year-old, which was phenomenal. Like, that was great. Mm. And you know what it tasted like? Bourbon. It did taste like bourbon. <laughs> like, good bourbon. Yeah, it tasted like great bourbon. Mm. Um, but you could still tell it's bourbon. Mm. And uh, I think the corn is a massive one, but we had some Hudson's, right? Yep. And the Hudson's is um, a single malt. Well, they do bourbon, they do rye. But the one we had was the single malt same as all the stuff in Scotland, Tasmania, um, Japan, India is made of um, commonly. Single malt, but it was matured in virgin oak barrels, the exact mm. same as what bourbon is matured in. And while it didn't taste exactly like bourbon, gosh, it was bourbon-y. It was. Now, so Nick, with mm. all this talk about bourbon, yes, are we going to drink a bourbon tonight? This is, this is a very logical question to ask, and the logical answer would be yes. But, of course, we're a whiskey waffle, and we don't do things by the book. So the answer is no. But no. we are drinking something from America, a little bit like that Hudson's I talked about. But this is not a single malt. Mm. This is a corn whiskey from America. Mm. It is. It sounds like bourbon. It does sound a lot like bourbon, but it's not because it's broken one of those rules. Is, it, is this something about, like, um, not joking about certain things at the airport? Um, yeah, um, that's that's quite a good answer. But no, that is not it. It is all to do with the barrel. So I better introduce our whiskey because we've been waffling for about five minutes already. haven't even talked about what we're reviewing. It's the Mictus. Mictus. Mictus or Mictus, as no one ever says. Yes. I have heard of Mictus before. Mm. Well, they I know that they make bourbon. They're one of the they're one of the oldest distilleries in the United States and um they do things in their own unique way. Um it's very unique in fact. <sighs> um and yeah, this one well is not their bourbon. They do a bourbon, they do a rye, and they do this one which is called unblended American whiskey. So what does that exactly mean? Well, exactly, right? I'll just quickly unpack the unblended part because I found it really interesting when my, my boys over at the Whiskey Vault were enlightening me about this one. So unblended, because American whiskey, when it just gets called American whiskey, is usually, think the American version of Johnny Walker. 
Please, please note that we're using the uh, E in the whiskey at the moment as well. True. Whiskey. Whiskey. Yep. Because we're um, talking about American whiskey. Lots of, lots of grain stuff um, shoved mm. in there. So this yep. is unblended. So it means that it's not more than 50% grain. Right. Um, it's got the same makeup as the bourbon. It's corn. It's single malt. It's a little bit of rye. But they've broken the rule about the barreling. Mm. They have not put it into a virgin oak barrel. Therefore, you cannot call this bourbon. They yep. have put it into, get this... An ex Mictus bourbon barrel. Bourbonception. Mm, I know. Bourbon within a bourbon. But it's not well, a bourbon. It's not a bourbon. It's not it's a, not a, bourbon. a, it's not we a bourbon. Call this bourbon. I can't call this bourbon. It's Mictus small batch, unblended American whiskey. It's basically what you would take if you discovered that you had a few bourbon barrels lying around and thought, why not, why not rather than sticking this in the uh in the barrels that are brand new, why don't we just stick it in one of these old ones and just, just age it for a bit? And this is what you get. Is it, in our is glass it, right is it kind of like sort of killing someone walking around in their skin? <laughs> yeah, this is Slitheen whiskey. Yeah. Um, obscure Doctor Who reference there. But um, yeah, so Mictus American whiskey. And um, well, I guess the thing that all our listeners want to know is, does it taste like bourbon or does it not? I would say, yes, it does. Yeah. But, mm. but it, it tastes... I, I, I don't know how to put my finger on it. It tastes a little bit different. It it smells a lot like bourbon, but when you have a sip, that's when it sort of, it adds a few layers. It becomes bourbon 2.0. So I think that this is bourbon that's been to Yale or something. I don't know <laughs> if that's the right university reference. I don't know which one the closest one to Kentucky, Tennessee is. Yeah. Um, one of the really, I, it's, it's a bourbon that's been to an Ivy League university. Yep. And it's got to be of culture because the bourbon itself is kind of has this quite sort of um, rough, sort of almost arrogant yeah. streak, loud streak to it. Yeah. It's very sort of in your face. Whereas this one has sort of learnt how to sort of talk in a very um, refined way. Yeah, it's calmed down. And one of the things that I'd say, and this is a strange statement, but I think it's got a dollop of vanilla on it. Vanilla ice cream, vanilla yeah. topping. It still has that spiciness to it mm. that bourbon has. Yep. It's got the that spiciness has not gone away, but corn corn driven spiciness. I'd say it's smoothed out more. Whereas but something like say Maker's Mark, it just smacks you in the face with that sort of big corn spice thing. Yeah, ironically there's no rye in Maker's Mark, but mm. anyway, yeah. Um So there's lots of yeah. Yeah, well lots of corn. corn. Yeah. I'd say that um this this uh, Mictus is creamy. Creamy mm. is one of my main tasting notes that I'm going with today. Spice cream. Creamy across the palate, yeah. Mm. I mean, the nose is still like that corn caramel sort of thing going on. Nothing nothing too removed from um, your regular bourbon. Mm. A bit of sort of meatiness there. Mm. Gosh, mm. We, we need to compare it to regular mixtures, don't we? But, uh, yeah. No, it's very interesting, though. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think what it's done is it's basically toned down some of the more sort of punch-you-in-the-face aspects of the bourbon. Yep. And yeah, turned it into a much softer, rounder sort of. Yeah, I think product. it's it's probably a more enjoyable drink. One of the things that amuses me about this is the way that it labels um, its maturation as it it spends time in bourbon soaked, white oak. Soaked. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. No ex bourbon barrels here. Bourbon soaked. Yeah. One of the other interesting things I find about Mictas is that they put their spirit into the barrel at a very low proof. Yep. At like 53% or 53. That's 106 very proof. Low. It is. It's very low because they believe it gets more of the flavor um, from the barrel, I guess, faster without adding too many oaky tannins. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, this one is actually at the relatively low forty one point seven percent. Yeah, okay. So they probably they probably are aging in a American style rickhouse and mm. shifting around sort of up up and down to sort of give artificial aging through going to hotter and a cooler part of the rickhouse. I'd say so, I'd say so. But um yeah, no, it's not been aged for yonks, no. shall we say, but um can't give you an exact number. So any other tasting notes to go with this one? It's sort of it's fairly fat and spicy, and sort of apple pie, maybe. Yeah, it's it is. American it's got a nice. Pie, it like... does have a nice sweetness, but not cloying. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no. It's, it's almost. I'd one. go with the apple pie, just without the apples. <laughs> um, if that's possible, a, a different a different sort of pie then. Mm. No, just just pie, <laughs> just pie, pie just flavored pie. I mean, you know, this is, we're talking about Americans here. Pie flavored is probably yeah, probably fair enough. Yeah, and so we're gonna give it a rating out of five, aren't we, Ted? Yes, let's do this. Yeah. I would give it a solid three. I'd give it a solid three as well. <laughs> We're hardly um, hardly um, controversial here, but yeah. but I yeah that I would give it a solid middle three. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's it's as good as good bourbons, mm. and it's got probably something a bit extra. Bourbon two point oh. Yeehaw! Mm. But no, no posh accent, posh American. Yeehaw! Yeah, <laughs> that'll do. I'm drinking the mixers! Oh, God, I wasn't meant to say that. Jump in the gun, Ted. Stop jumping the gun. Smash Session or Seba! What is the section we're doing, Ted? The section is... The section. The section. Suction. Section. <laughs> the section is... <laughs> Smash Session Saber! <laughs> okay, Nick, hit me. All right, then. Your three whiskeys both start with G. Both. Both. All three of them start with G. <laughs> All three of them start with GL. Okay. All so three of them get, start with GLE. So they're going to be Glab, Glabrin, yeah, yeah. Glebrofen, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Glebrin. G-L-E-N. Okay, the Glens. Yep, yep. Uh, Glen Fittick, Glen Livet, Glen Farkless. Get Glenning. Okay. What uh, expressions? Just the... 12, 12, and 12. Okay. that's Because that, it would be much harder and... Uh, tricky thing to do if it was um, the sort of higher, older, more yeah. interesting. You've got, you've got a point. You've got a point. Yeah. Uh, is it Glenlivet Twelve or is it Glenlivet Founders Reserve Twelve? Okay, Twelve. Oh, 12. Ah, God, that's making it hard now. That's what she said. Okay, a Founders Reserve. That's easy. Smash yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, smash yeah. that shit. Sorry. Um, okay, so Glenfiddich. Glenn Levitt mm-hmm. and what was the other one? Glenn Farkless. Glenn Farkless. Okay. Glenn Farkless, I'm going to savor. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm straight up going to say that. Oh, God. When was the last time we had some Glenn uh, Levitt 12? Long time ago. I've got a bottle on my shelf. You've I've got, got a bottle, bottle yeah. on your shelf. Uh, that, it, is, it is available, again uh, in certain places. So, in the great Glenn Levitt crash of 2000 and... 13-ish, 14-ish, when the woeful Glenlivet Founders Reserve crashed its way into the market like a particularly nasty meteor, we took the pretty, uh, I think, sensible step of buying some Glenlivet 12, which is a fantastic whiskey, and we have no Mm. idea why they got rid of it. Mm. Um, Well, I'm assuming they're just, you know, they're running out. (sighs) See, the thing is, 
I can't remember enough yeah. about the Glenlivet 12. It's been so it's been long. long. Glenlivet, this is what you brought us to. Yeah. Um. Look, I'm going to say I am going to smash the Glenfiddich 12 because I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm going to hope that the Glenlivet is good enough to sustain me across the evening, which I think it is. I think it was mm. a good whiskey. Do, does one of us need to sacrifice our bottle? To um, appease the whiskey gods, perhaps, aka perhaps, us. Perhaps. Yeah, it's been too long. Um, and yeah, the Glenfarclas, I think, is just going to be a sort of more savourable whiskey. Hmm. So what would you do, listeners? I'm going to chime in with my own because um, I haven't actually thought about it until Ted started voicing his thoughts. But in a in a world where Glenlivet 12 is not as accessible as it used to be, I think... I think that is the one I'd savour and think about the old times. Um, the Glen Farkless is a session whiskey, the 12-year-old, and even, even the 15-year-old, which we love the 15-year-old. But I think I could definitely session the 12 throughout the night. Um, and that means, yeah, the Glen, the Glen Fiddick, you know what you're getting with that. You know what it's going to be like. So that's probably going to be smashed. Smash it. Mm. Yeah. So the next section comes with a disclaimer. Um, apologizing folks for how drunk we sound in this next section. I thought seriously about just cutting it completely and not using it, but it's actually a really fascinating discussion that we have drunkenly at the very end of a recording block. So forgive our slurring because I think the topic is really valid. And I actually think some of the conclusions we draw are also equally valid. So the conclusion that I'm going to make right here is just, Ted, need to drink more. Yeah, I know. <laughs> whiskey, would you rather? All right, whiskey, would you rather? You got one for me, Ted? Okay, Nick. I have a whiskey, would you rather for you? Okay, so whiskey, would you rather? The game where we are presented with two choices. It's simple. One of us has to choose one of these impossible choices. Okay, Nick. Yes. Whiskey, would you rather? Go for it. Okay, would you rather? See the Tasmanian whiskey industry taken over by the big multinationals, hmm. causing the price to drop, but with it a significant drop in quality, or the price of Tasmanian whiskey to continue to increase due to a bubble, effectively pricing themselves out of the market and causing the eventual collapse of the industry. Oh, you're getting serious here, Ted. You're getting very serious. You've Indeed. posed this to me late in the night. When I've had a few drams and I need to really get philosophical about this because it's a it's a topic that I am passionate about because I would like to see the Tasmanian whiskey industry do well. You presented me with two with two contrasting scenarios where that is not necessarily happening. Well, it's not happening. Well, well, it isn't. It, it is. It isn't. It isn't. Yeah. Um, in option number one, um, the soul is removed. Mm-hmm. In option number two, it's. It burns brightly and then dies, mm-hmm. which both have their obvious downsides. So let's talk about, let's be positive. Let's talk about the ups. Okay. So um, what, are the, what are the ups out of this? So in, the, in, the, in the first one, like, so, so the, Tas- in the first one, the Tasmanian whiskey industry continues. It, it, yep. Like, so your Diageo's and your, uh, um, uh, what's the other, what's the French yeah, one? Yeah, Ricard's. Um, come along and they like, yes, this stuff is going well. Yep. We're going to buy this up. Yep. But then as part of that sort of deal, 
they kind of institute their regimes They've and created the Johnny Walker True Blue. Yeah, basically the Johnny the Walker jo- Green and Gold. Yep, that's the one. Um, yeah, which it just gets me down a little bit. And in scenario number two, scenario we number two, as we are. Well, scenario number two, like, so this is not necessarily a real life thing, but it could be. Like, it could be that Tasmanian whiskey is within a bubble and like the the price the prices are very high and like people will continue entering the market and selling these things at a very sort of premium price until suddenly people realise, well, why the hell are we paying this much for them? The arse goes out of the industry, market crashes and suddenly all these sort of distilleries who have built themselves up out of nothing then just crash and burn to the ground. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. Fun times. Um, because no. yeah, they 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 the the world just decides that actually you cost too much. We're not going to bother buying it because you cost too much, and so they, so yeah. yeah. In scenario B, there is still some excellent whiskey made. Mm. There is still some great, fantastic whiskey made, and that but, is but a, there is yeah yeah I know I'm, I'm they, well aware it dies like the industry yep. then no, becomes no, no. um. Hear me out. Unmanageable. Hear me out. My answer is is shrouded in this thought. In scenario number two, there is some excellent whiskey made for for a certain period of time, for a long time. However, it'll also mean two things. It'll mean thing number one, I will very quickly be able to stop being able to afford it. Thing number two, the industry will then be over. It'll be stopped. Whereas... If it loses its soul, at least temporarily, there is a chance that that the multinationals might then cotton on to the path of the light. They might then cotton on to the fact that they work out what worked so well for Tasmania when it was winning all those awards, and then finally start to recreate that whiskey. There's still hope in this scenario. There's still the potential that the multinationals will find the best way to make Tasmanian whiskey. Um, so that's why I'm going to go for option number one, and it'll kill me for a little while, but at least while there's life, there is hope. Not a bad answer. I think that's probably the way to go. Yeah, and yeah, it continues on, and who knows, Al, we might sort of forget through sort of age and failing memory and decide that actually what the multinationals are producing is the way to go. And yeah, they might do. And, um, yeah, um, at least in, in scenario two, the only people that will get to drink the stuff is Morsey, so. Mm. <laughs> True. Oh, we forgot to shout out to Morsey. Mm. Well, Ted, I'm, I'm nearly, oh gosh, I nearly knocked my whiskey glass off the chair then. Oh, that would have been a disgrace to the profession. I know, but I've well, managed to survive. Profession? Semi-amateurism. I go, I know, profession is pushing it. But um, no, I've managed to keep the glass upright, and I managed to keep myself upright in time to say it's come to the end of this episode. Well, I mean, you're keeping yourself upright fairly easily because you're sitting in a chair. The I'd chair like is to, keeping you up. Right I'd, I'd like to see you try um, once you'd, you've stood up because that could be a much more interesting prospect. This is why we need to do YouTube, not podcasts. But anyway, yeah. oh. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to hear that. We'd probably have to mount a camera on the ceiling to look, <laughs> to look down. 
vertical podcast. Well, no, no. It would look like we're standing up. Hmm. We'd just be sort of passed out on the floor. I like the way you think, Ted. I like the way you think. But unfortunately, that's all the thinking we've got time for. Yeah. That's it. We're at the end of the episode. Mm. Please remember to check us out on whiskeywaffle.com, our blog. Yeah, but get onto social media as well yeah. because we're, we are pretty chatty through Instagram. Like, we reply to all our comments. Yep. If, you, if you're sort of not driven away from Twitter by Donald Trump, please shout us a tweet. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's been some a good Facebook page. Um, please, okay. If you are a millennial... Please let us know what the next big sort of um, social media thing is because we're getting on a bit now and we're not really keeping up with it. So, And if you're not a millennial, well, carry a pigeon. Yeah, carry a pigeon. If, yeah, if, if you're for some f- sort of from uh, World War I, um, <laughs> a la Sir General Melchett. Um, what's, the, what's two generations before baby boomers? Dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. If you're dead, please send us a carry pigeon mm. and enjoy your whiskey. On that note, <laughs> keep on waffling. And good night. night. That was a good one, Ted. Always good. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. I've had too much whiskey. It's, not, it's just not flowing.